Hello, and welcome to the Financial Classroom with Will and Tim, where two friends believe that the American dream is built by living within your means. Listen as we discuss how to build wealth, live frugally, and attack life with a financial plan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Financial Classroom Podcast. You're listening to episode six. I'm your host, Will. And I guess before we start, uh, we're going to be doing things a little different here today just because I'm away for work. Um, I'm not in my usual spot with my mic and my setup. So if there's any statics or if I sound like I'm speaking through a telephone, just bear with us for this episode. With that being said, today we will be going into the topic of the FIRE movement, otherwise standards for financially independent retire early. And we have a very special guest who is a host on the Explore FI Canada podcast, as well as the author of Eat, Sleep, Breathe FI. Without further ado, Chrissy, welcome to the show. Tim and I are super excited to have you on, and it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you for asking me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so Will and I have actually been talking for the last few weeks about our interview with you, and we're just so excited to have you here with us. <laughs> and before we jump into our talk today, I guess I'll just give a quick explanation as to what FIRE is. So FIRE stands for Financially Independent Retire Early or Financial Independence Retire Early. So some people maybe don't follow that whole retire early kind of thing. They're just focused on the financially independence. So it's the idea of being able to save up enough of investments throughout your lifetime that you're just able to live off of dividends, capital gains, that kind of thing, that your investments are earning enough that they cover all your expenses without you having to earn additional income to cover the rest of your expenses. So this is just achieved through hard work, ambition, and frugality. These are kind of a few of the main traits that you'll find in people who are trying to achieve financial independence. And the FI movement, it's typically just everyday people like you and me, like Will as somebody who's in law enforcement, myself as, as an accountant. It's nobody who's particularly special or particularly accomplished. It isn't your your doctors, lawyers, politicians. It's just everyday people like you and me. So I guess without further ado, Christy, who is an expert on this topic, <laughs> I would say. Christy, would you just like to tell us how you got into this FI community or this financially independent community and talk about your journey in that and how you started this whole thing? Sure. Well, uh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and uh, I really wanted to find a way to continue being a stay-at-home mom because my kids were uh, old enough that it was uh, they were off at school, and I had more time on my hands. And I thought, well, either I go back to work, or um, maybe I do something more valuable with my time. Maybe look into our investments and seeing how I could improve on that. And so. I started researching that because people kept telling me, you got to go see a guy, go see my guy, my financial advisor. And that just never really sat well with me because to me, it felt like a conflict of interest. The more they got you to trade and sell and and buy, the, the more money they made. And, and I thought, if these guys are so good at what they do, why are they still working? And so I, it never felt right to me to go with one of those people. And so I thought, well, I'll look into it and see what I need to know in in order to find the right person if it's going to be that. And so I started looking into it and then I found out that you could do DIY investing and then that sent me down a rabbit hole. And that led me to type in how much do I need to retire? And then that's when I found Mr. Money Mustache. And I don't know if your audience knows about Mr. Money Mustache, but he is 
maybe what you call the godfather of the modern fire movement. There were people that came before him, but he's the one that really brought it into the mainstream um, as it's known today. So when I found his blog, that's when I went down the fire rabbit hole and I've been in there ever since. <laughs> I haven't come up. I love fire. I'm super passionate about it. And uh, that's why I have a blog and podcast about fire. So is fire something that you've been following right from when you were in high school? Or is that something you kind of followed later on in life? Well, I didn't actually find fire until 2014. That's when I found Mr. Money Mustache. Prior to that, I was brought up to be very frugal and very sensible with my money. So I had all the foundation in place. I just needed to polish it a little and get a little more optimized. And that's what fire taught me to do. Yeah, so Chrissy... Obviously, fire is a big part of your life. And you said you're, you have kids and you're married. Yeah. And so has your family been on board, especially your mm-hmm. husband? And was it a hard conversation to have? Because sometimes people hear the financial independent, which I like those words better, but then the retire early. Sometimes people hear those words and they're a little bit turned off by that. And they're like, you want to retire how old? Like 30s, 40s? Like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? So was it hard to get your family on board, even your parents? How was that process? Well, I think I started by introducing it to my husband, of course, because he's my uh, my closest family member. So I brought it up with him. And I think I came on a little strong with fire. I told him about Mr. Money Mustache, who, if you're not into it, he can seem a little over the top. And he's a little off putting for some people like my husband loves cars and Mr. Money Mustache hates cars. So (laughs) so that is a pretty tough sell right there. But I realized after a while that if I pulled back and didn't go right into how you get to fire and what you need to do, all the sacrifices that people might perceive as sacrifices that you need to make, I went instead to talking about the why and what it would mean to his life if we could reach financial independence. And I, I kind of left out the retire early part because he does love his job. And so for him, it's like, why would I want to quit? I, I enjoy my job. I'm at the peak of my earning probably. And why would I leave now? And so when I took it back to the why, you know, we'll have more time together, more time with the kids more time to travel. He could spend more time on hobbies, seeing his parents and friends and people that he cares about. That's when it started to have meaning to him. But he still thought it was a bit fantastical. He didn't see how it was possible. And so it didn't really click with him until we started seeing a financial advisor. I decided to work with a financial planner and he laid out our financial plan for us. And he explained everything to my husband and he laid out the math and made it really clear. And that's when my husband said, I get it. I can see it. It, It'll work. And that's when he finally got on board. He was comfortable that a professional actually looked at it and said, this will work. And he actually asked him about his whys as well. And my my husband realized that I'm not taking anything away. (laughs) We just have to do things slightly differently. And we'll be in a much better financial position, even better than we already were, just by making a few tweaks here and there. So yeah, for him, it was a pretty easy sell. And the rest of my family, like I said, I was raised to be quite frugal. And all of my siblings are very good with their money. And my in-laws are also on the same wavelength. And so they all said, it makes sense. Go for it. You know, yeah. it, it sounds like a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. One of the common things for people who are in the FI or the FIRE community is to have a target date and target amount. So that's basically the the date that you plan to be financially independent at and the amount of money that you figure you'll need to have to be able to uh, to be able to have financial independence based on your standard of living effectively. 
So do you have a fire date and a fire amount set? We do. We know it. But my husband is quite private with our numbers. And so he'd rather not share it. But so we can give a broad range. Like we plan to reach fire in our 40s. And as well as the number, we are actually going for between 25 and 30 times our annual spending. And that I'm sure we'll get into later, but that is based on the 4% rule, which is a rule that says basically if you spend about 4% of your portfolio every year, then it will be sustainable. You won't drain it before you pass away one day. It should sustain you for the rest of your life. But we go for slightly more conservative because I just would rather have that cushion and so would my husband. So we're aiming for something more like three and three quarters or three and a half percent withdrawal rather than four percent. Yeah, that's a very good age to retire. And you can use that time to spend with your with your kids and be able to enjoy life. So congratulations. That's that's very impressive. So. Well, thank you. Well, I, and the thing is, even when we reach it, he's probably going to work into his 50s because he likes his job so much. Yeah. And he's been able to mold his position into a role that he really enjoys. And it's mm-hmm. the best of everything for him. And so he, he can't see leaving his job even if he reaches our number. So financial independence means different things to different people. I think for him, it just would give him a lot of peace of mind. And he'll just happily continue working. And I think that's exactly it like i think a lot of people think about fire or the fi movement that once you hit that age people just retire and they don't do their job anymore and it's not that like if you enjoy your job you can still stay out of your job but the whole point is if you hate your job all of a sudden one day you have that ability to just drop and go and know that you can still put food on the table and can still enjoy life basically once you hit that anything surplus could be used for whatever you wish Mm-hmm. or continue investing even more and more. So. Yeah. And I also advocate for slow fi approach. And I don't know if you've ever heard of slow fi. It was a term coined by the pioneers, Jessica and her husband. They uh, write a blog called The Pioneers. But on there, they talk about this approach called slow fi, where it's not about this mad dash to fi. And once you get there, then it's the holy grail and your, your life is complete. It's more about focusing on the journey to fi and making it amazing the whole way through. And so that means you don't just kill yourself to get to the end. You try to find ways to incrementally improve your life all along the way. And I think that's what's amazing about FI, that it gives you more and more freedom as you go. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Like as you get closer, you're gaining bits of freedom every step of the way. Oh, totally. Yeah. So obviously there is trade-off with FI that you are making a certain level of sacrifices in the here and now. You're still having fun, but you you are making sacrifices now so that you can gain back lots of time later on, or everybody has their reasons for why they do FI. What was your reason for just jumping into FI? For me, I always say that I already live a FI lifestyle because I'm fortunate to be a stay-at-home mom. I have a lot of time freedom. I get to be with my kids. I got to raise them from birth and see all their milestones, which is priceless to me. So I've gained a lot of what most people would gain once they reached FI. And so for me, the, the real goal is to have my husband have that freedom, even though he doesn't need it, even though he's happy at his job. I guess I'm also just a very motivated person. <laughs> And I felt like I needed a new big goal in my life. And once I discovered there was this thing that we could do, I just really wanted to go for it. So uh, it, it just happens to be lucky that my husband enjoys his job. But, you know, one day he might be tired or, you know, he, he does have 
a bad eye. One of his eyes, the eyesight is failing. And so it could be that one day he can't work as easily anymore because he does rely on his vision to work. So it'd be nice if we reach Phi and he doesn't have to work. He, he can work only because he wants to. And that's an amazing goal that you have, by the way. It's not just a goal like, oh, I want to buy my dream car, but it's like <laughs> it's something that not everyone achieves. So it's, it's really cool. So to piggyback off your what you talked about earlier, you say you're a stay-at-home mom, you're one-income family. And so there's a myth out there that says FI is really for people who are making a very high income or people who come from double income or two doctors in a family or just high income family. So how do you debunk that myth? And how does a regular day person or regular average middle class individual achieve FI? Well, we're were mostly that story. When we started out, I was working at a nonprofit and I, I think I maxed out at 48000 a year. That was my top salary before I left to become a stay-at-home mom. And my husband, he wasn't doing much better than me at that time. So uh, we started out with very low salaries. We're both graphic designers and we're not necessarily paid all that well. In the last few years, he's worked his way up to a higher salary, but we're still not rolling in it, right? And we've been on one income since my first son was born 15 years ago. So we've made do with average salary, I would say, in a very high cost of living area. I would also say that we've been smart with our money right from the start. When we moved out and bought our house together, we didn't rush out to fill our house with brand new trendy furniture like all, most of our friends did. They would buy a brand new condo, buy high-end furniture to fill up the whole place. And for us, it was all just patchwork pieces. We just accepted donations from friends and family. And our house wasn't fancy. It didn't look fancy for the first few years, but we just slowly saved and you know, we would replace some of the older pieces as we had time. And we did all the renovations ourselves those kinds of things were, it's just all these little things that we did that got us to where we are. And another big boost we did when I stopped working was to start hosting homestay students. And that didn't earn a lot of money, but it was just enough to cover expenses and have a little bit left over to take one vacation a year or put some away. So just a lot of little things. It wasn't a lot, but it makes a difference if you keep doing these little things over a long period of time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So just to jump in a little bit here to talk about FI and just kind of the the principles behind it. I mean, you've mentioned already that it's not all about the idea of work so hard, you know, 18 hour days every single day so that you can retire early. It's about enjoying the process the whole way through. And I guess kind of the, the philosophy behind this is that time is your most valuable commodity. So the idea behind FI is that you want to buy back time from the future by achieving financial independence early so that you gain another 15, 20 years of your life that otherwise, you know, you would be giving away to the man per se, that you're just working and working. It's about being able to spend time with your kids, spend time with family and just doing what makes you happy, really. Mm -hmm. um, and society is it kind of operates differently from that. It says that we need to retire at 65. It says that we need to enjoy life now. We need to get that fancy new car now. Mm -hmm. What kind of, I guess, do you have any recommendations on how somebody can get out of that mindset of I need everything now to the idea of living within your means, learning how to save, yeah, learning how to put away, learning how to live frugally? Yeah. 
Well, I think it all goes back to your why. Everyone should really revisit that. Like, why are you buying that fancy car? Is it really for yourself or is it to show off to other people? Is it because everyone else around you is doing it? Does it really mean that much to you? What about a new bigger house? Do you really want that big mortgage payment or is it filling some kind of need that could be filled another way? So I think a lot of what we do, we we kind of do unconsciously or subconsciously without really giving it enough thought. And when we take a step back, we're like, I don't really need such a fancy house. I'm just doing it because all my other friends are getting a nicer house or fancier cars or going on really luxury vacations. But if you really take a step back and think, what do I value? What actually makes me happy? And this was something that uh, I don't know if you know about the Playing With Fire documentary or the book, but there's a couple who went through this where the wife totally was didn't know anything about fire, was not really on board, but her husband found it and he was like, we got to do this. And so he sat down with her and said, can you make a list of the things that really mean something to you? And she did. And she made a list. And it was all these things that were free. She said, I want more time with our baby. I want to spend more time with you. Just have a glass of wine in the evenings, those kinds of things. So when you really sit down and think about what you value, it may not actually be those expensive things. And then when you get that in alignment with how you're spending, then you realize, I don't want or need all these fancy things. What I want is more time. And the way to get more time is to not spend on those things and instead invest my money. And so I think when you find your why, what really brings you joy and what really makes you happy, then everything kind of falls into place. And that's why I always say that if someone's confused or they have a partner who's not sure, get them to think about why and what's important to them. And Honestly, Chrissy, I think if I could take that paragraph that you just said and broadcast it to the whole world, <laughs> you can change a lot of lives there. Yeah. And so I think if we look at, if you ask somebody, would you rather have a brand new truck right now or would you rather retire five years earlier mm. and or even two, three years earlier? And I think probably 90 or 100% of them would say, I'd rather be able to retire five years earlier. Mm-hmm. And so you just said it there exactly that maybe that fancy boat or that new truck or that 3000 square foot house is sitting there and you're making payments on it or instead you can drive a used car and maybe not have a boat or live in a smaller house and then be able to retire earlier because you didn't spend all that money and you invested it instead and you can go and play with your daughter you can drive your daughter to school and pick her up every day and or your son or mm-hmm. go to every, be with them at every birthday that they have and instead you're not stressing overwork or stressing going to nine to five every day because you're trying to pay off that boat that's in a driveway that you use maybe two times a summer. So exactly. I think that's exactly why fire is such a unique and it's such a cool concept to have. And Tim said it there that the time is just something that people can't get back. And mm-hmm. I think it's super cool. So Chrissy, let's talk about the different types of fire and what they mean. And if you can just break that down for the listeners. It'll be- sure. So yeah, there are quite a few different types of fire. Um, you don't really have to pay attention to them. I think it's just helpful for some people to have these different milestones because fire is a pretty long journey, no matter how you cut it, it it's going to take a while. And it's kind of boring if it's just like zero to 100, right? You, you want some steps in between. And also some people actually choose sort of 
uh, incremental fire because they want to be free earlier. And so these are, you could consider them steps along the way, or, or they could just be your end goal because different people have different tolerances for how far they go into to FI. So we'll start with the first type of fire. It's sort of at the bottom. It's the easiest one to reach. It's called lean fire. And what that means is your basic needs are met and uh, you have enough that you could cover your basic needs for the rest of your life. But there's no extras and there's very little contingency. So you're, that's basically most people say that's 25 times your um, annual spending, but just really your core spending. There's probably not much travel in there or, or no travel and no luxuries, anything like that. So that is the type of fire that a lot of people object to because it sounds so <laughs> restrictive. I would say most people don't actually aim for that because it's quite difficult to live that way for a, an extended period of time. So that is the first one, lean fire. The next one is you put bulk fire, but I don't I don't know if that's usually the way it's uh, referenced. It's called fat fire usually. And what that is, uh, you aim to live a very luxurious life. So some people put a number to it. They say it's, you know, $100,000 or over per year. But, you know, $100,000 in San Francisco is probably just living at the bare minimum, right? That would be lean fire in San Francisco. But $100,000 in maybe Saskatchewan would be very much fat fire. So I think it depends on each person what they consider to be fat fire. But basically, it means that you not only meet your basic needs, but you have all of your needs met and then some and you've got plenty to spend on luxury and you basically don't really have much worry about spending extra if you need to. So that's fat fire. And there's these little offshoots of fire that are a little bit different. So there's one called barista fire. And barista fire is, I think it came more for the Americans because they don't have health insurance, or if they do, it's usually tied to their jobs. And so a way to get around having to find a private healthcare plan or, or ha having to pay a lot for healthcare is to take a part-time job, perhaps as a barista at Starbucks, in order to have your healthcare covered through that job. Because for instance, Starbucks has really good healthcare coverage for the employees, and I think it's not expensive. And so you can work a part-time job there and still get health care. And so once you reached enough to live off most, cover most of your expenses with your portfolio, and then you cover the rest with your part-time job and your health care with your barista job, that's called barista fire. So that's, yeah. that's a little unusual. I, I don't really think it's something that most Canadians would uh, pursue because it's not really something we need to worry about. And then the final type of fire that you might hear about is called coast fire or coast fi. And that is when you've saved enough that if you stop contributing to your investments today, they would grow enough so that when you reach traditional retirement age, whether it's 65 or 60, you would have enough to re retire and be FI at that time. But between now and then, you would just have to earn enough to cover your living expenses. So only your living expenses, you wouldn't have to save more you know, to put into investments. It's just your living expenses. So that's what my co-host on the podcast, Money Mechanic, is pursuing right now. So he takes long, very often between his stints of work and he just enjoys life right now. And he's just coasting to FI and, and he loves it. It's it's the perfect um, type of FI for him. And I, I'm glad he discovered it and that he's able to pursue it. Well, so you said that for yourself, your FI number is somewhere around 25 to 30 times your monthly expenses. Is that kind of general for people who are pursuing FI or does that fluctuate a lot? 
So I think a good rule of thumb is for people to start with 25 times because that is exactly the 4% rule. And a lot of people say even 4% is quite conservative. And then there's a camp that says that's way too risky. You should go lower with 3.5%. And so 25 times, I think, is a good starting place. And then depending on how much of a worrier you are, how conservative you are, and which camp you fall into, you might adjust it as you go along. So I I think it's a good place to start. And then you adjust it as you see how your investments go and how you feel about your job and how you feel about how much you want to withdraw from your portfolio. So for our listeners out there, they know we do a six-figure millennial segment. And so these are millennials who have over $100,000 net worth early on in life. So If someone who's a six-figure millennial who has saved a lot of money or maybe someone who's still trying to get there who's just saving now, what are some things that they need to do to achieve or different lifestyle changes? Or is there any lifestyle changes or mentality shifts that someone who was frugal to wanting to reach five? Is there a big difference in there? Uh, well, in the FI community, that we always talk about the big three expenses, which are housing, transportation, and food. So that's where you'll get the most bang for your buck if you're going to really optimize your expenses and, and cut down on any fat in, in your spending. So you start with those three and you'll make some progress a lot quicker than looking at other things. But a lot of us, if we're already frugal and we're already doing good things with our money, we probably optimize those areas already. And so the next thing I think people should look at is recurring expenses, things like your insurance, your internet, cell phone, those kinds of things, because those are really easy. You just revisit them once and you've saved monthly for years and years until you look at it again and try to reduce it again. And so that could save thousands in a year if you add it all up. And then the next area that you can look at is just trimming the fat, uh, looking around at what you value. Do you really need that subscription? Do you really want to keep getting takeout? Are there ways that you could cut back a little, but still get a lot of the enjoyment out of life? And I think most of us can find areas where we're like, yeah, I don't really care about that Spotify subscription. I, I barely listen anymore, whatever. There, there are lots of little things that I think we spend on that we just forget about or we don't revisit and we could just cut those out and it's painless, right? It doesn't hurt us at all. And then I think the next area is then you really look at what you truly value and think about what you're spending on and decide, do I want to keep this or or not? You know, if there's something you really value, don't cut it out because that goes into deprivation. And that's what I think a lot of people believe wrongly about the fire community that we're about eating brown bananas and living in misery just to save every penny. And <laughs> that's not it at all. Um, all of us, we, we advocate for spending on things you value. If, if you can afford it, you save up for it and it makes sense to you, go for it. But just make sure it's something you really actually want and it's not for the wrong reasons. And obviously, one side of being able to save more is decreasing your expenses, learning how to live frugally. The other side of being able to save more is actually increasing your income, whether that's taking another part-time job, getting investments, getting into real estate, having a side hustle, doing more overtime. Have you ever looked into how can I increase my income? Have you taken any of these opportunities to be able to boost your income every year? Yeah, I I haven't. Um, As I mentioned previously, uh, one of the things we were doing until the pandemic started was we were hosting international homestay students. Mm. So that is 
a form of what people call house hacking. I don't know if you've ever mentioned that on the podcast, but for us, we host students and they live in some of the bedrooms in our house and we feed them. They're basically like having university aged children living with you and they just become part of our family. And for us, it's not just about the money. It's about having this life experience and having our kids grow up with different kinds of people in the house and us learning about new cultures, trying new foods and those kinds of things. Those are actually more of the benefits that we're looking for. And the money just happens to be a side benefit. And so for us, that was a great way for us to earn some extra money. And my husband, he doesn't have the opportunity to earn overtime, but he's lucky that he gets ESPP, which is Employee Stock Purchase Plan at his work. So he gets to buy company shares at a discount. And so our big mistake was not learning how to manage that a lot earlier in his career. But since I started learning how to invest, I've taken charge of that and we take full advantage now. And so that is one way that I guess you could consider it side income because it's optional if you opt in or not. And so we've taken full advantage of that. So yeah, you just really have to look around and see all the ways that you can earn some extra money here and there. And I think most of us can find even small ways. Selling something on Craigslist is an easy way to do it, right? That's like a micro side hustle. So most people can do that. I love how you have different ways to increase income and different ways to cut out things that you don't need, like earlier mentioned subscriptions and unnecessary things that you don't use. And I love when you talk about how just because you cut out those things doesn't mean people who are trying to achieve five or five don't have fun, that they still enjoy life and they still get to go out and they just don't spend lavishly and watch what they spend and really budget well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. I want to mention something here because earlier we were talking about how FI can help you buy back your time. But it also goes the other way. Like my husband, he decided last year to buy a classic Mustang. He's been dreaming about this car since he was 16 and he never got it. And this car came up and we had the money and we decided you know what, why don't we do it? Because his vision is going and he doesn't know how much longer he can drive. And he's always wanted this car, but it was set us back a couple of years in our our path to FI. And we thought, is this worth it? It means you trade two more years of your life to work to earn this car. He decided it was worth it. And so it goes both ways. That's why I always say you really have to look to your values to see what's important to you. And if it's important to you, then it's worth it. Even if it sets you back, even if it takes longer to reach FI, um, it goes both ways. You look at it, uh, whether you want to buy back your time or spend your time to get something that's really meaningful to you. So I guess going off of that, the whole retire early, that's not even necessarily going to be for everybody. So we're not saying that fire is for everybody, but it is just really a call to reassess your values and look at what is important in my life and to say it's really for those people who are looking at, okay, do I want whatever time with family? Do I want financial peace? Yeah, it's, it's really a call to assess your priorities and to really determine what matters for you. Mm-hmm. So Chrissy, do you want to just talk about your involvement with the FI community in Canada and talk a little bit about your blog and your podcast? Uh, sure. So I started my blog almost two years ago now. It was January 2019. And I started it because I really wanted I think most of us, once you discover FI, you just want to tell everyone about it because you're like, this is amazing. Like I could help so many people live happier, better lives. And you just, you just want to shout it from the rooftops. And so (laughs) that's why I started my blog. And I also wanted to show people that 
you can reach by like you don't have to be American. You can be Canadian and live in an expensive city. And for me, I had kids and we are living on one income and it's possible. You know, a lot of people, they have all these excuses for why you can't do it. And we had a lot of what you could see as challenges, but we are getting there and we didn't do anything extraordinary. Like you said at the beginning, we're just regular people. We're not doctors or lawyers. We're not rolling in money, but we're, we're getting there just by making a few smart decisions and just being a little bit different from most people. And so that's why I wanted to start my blog to share that message that, you know, even regular people can get to FI. And as for the podcast, I had wanted to start a podcast, but I never probably would have had the guts to do it until <laughs> my partner, Money Mechanic, asked me. We met through the Choose FI Canada Facebook group. And so he messaged me and said, hey, do you want to start a podcast with me? He already had one. He has FI Garage. He started that first. But I don't know, for some crazy reason, he wanted to start a second one. <laughs> so he asked me and it sounded like fun. And we started it and it launched last year in July on Canada Day. Uh, we purposely planned it for Canada Day because it's Canadian podcast and we've been doing it since. And uh, we had a co-host, Ryan, that also started with us, but he had a, a young daughter that he wanted to spend more time with and he had some time constraints. So it was better for him to bow out of the podcast, but hopefully we'll have him back on again just uh, as a guest. So if you were to give one or two pieces of advice to somebody who's young and is trying to achieve financial independence, FI, FIRE, what would you tell them? So I would say get started. <laughs> uh, get started as soon as you can, because time is your most powerful tool to grow your wealth. Like that is something that you can't get back. And if you get started, you're not going to regret it. Don't let that time slip away because it can go by really quickly. And so if you're feeling overwhelmed and that's what's stopping you from getting started, then break it down into small steps. Because I know when I first discovered FI, I was super overwhelmed. I'm like, I got to get our investing. Um, I've got to learn how to DIY invest. I have to learn how to budget and track our money and optimize all our expenses. Where do I start? So just pick one area to start with and then just break that down into smaller steps and then get started there because otherwise you'll just be paralyzed by <laughs> the overwhelm so just start small but the important thing is just get started don't let time slip by yeah for sure so for those young people who do want to get started do you have any recommendations for places to get started like information to look at or obviously you have your blog and you have your podcast but is there more resources that someone can look into yeah. Well, my favorite for fire is Mr. Money Mustache, of course. He's awesome, but he is a little bit hardcore. And so not everyone will take to his message. Actually, on my blog, I have a Canadian fire directory where I've listed all the Canadian fire content creators that I could find and who reach out to me. So they're bloggers, podcasters, vloggers. So that is one place to go if you want Canadian specific content on fire. We are also part of the Choose FI Canada Facebook group. And so I don't know if you're in there, Tim, but Will is in there. Choose FI is an American podcast about FI and they have these local Facebook groups. And so there's one for Canada and there's one for Vancouver where I live. And most cities, most major cities have their own local Choose FI group. And so 
I think that's a fantastic place to go for support and to ask questions and just to get ideas for how other people are reaching fine. They're, it's just regular people. It's a very friendly place to be. People are supportive and it's a huge, huge resource for a lot of people, especially those who don't have anyone in real life they can talk to about FI. It's, it's a nice place to chat with other people and not feel alone in your journey. Yeah. And sorry, just so our listeners know, where would they be able to find your podcast and your blog? Oh, thanks. So my blog is at eatsleepbreathefi.com. And the podcast is at exploreficanada.ca. And we're on all the major podcasting platforms. So Apple and Google and Spotify, you'll, you'll find us on all the platforms. And for listeners out there who enjoy finance podcasts, we would for sure recommend you to check their podcast out. It's super knowledgeable. And if you want to achieve that FI, or if you're really interested about the fire movement, definitely check Chrissy's uh, blog out. I have, and she has a lot of good resources there. Yeah. And honestly, all you do like within the FI community is, is impressive. And I think Canada, not enough people know about this. And it's cool that you're trying to spread the word. And it is a cool goal and it's an awesome goal to reach. And I myself talked to my wife about reaching five. And obviously, like Chrissy said, sometimes spouses aren't on board, but my wife is luckily <laughs> under very understanding. And, and it, it really comes down to math. Correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, Chrissy. It comes down to how much you spend and how much you save and your annual expense. And so if you can reach five, it's go to a financial advisor or go to someone who can crunch the number for you and sit down and you can really figure out how much you need to retire. And it is a... Mm-hmm such an awesome and cool goal to have. Yeah, I agree. And I'm happy to help spread the message in Canada because there's so much US content out there. And that's partly why we started the podcast, because there's not enough representation in Canada. And we want Canadians to know it's possible to achieve it here. And we talk to Canadians all across the country to get their perspectives on FI and how they're reaching it in their areas. And so we hope to diversify the conversation by adding more and more Canadian voices to the fire community. So Chrissy, honestly, we've looked forward to this interview for a long time and you are so knowledgeable and it is, it, it's been great talking to you and you know so much. And Tim and I are still learning about the whole five thing and we're still pretty young. Like we, both of us got into our careers not long ago and, and uh, we're still trying to, just trying to be frugal and trying to save and really the fi community is is such a cool community and like you mentioned earlier everyone is so nice and if people have questions feel free to give chrissy a shout or yeah. join the choose fi canada uh, facebook group and i've posted in there before and i know people are willing to help and they're willing to answer questions and i think it's really awesome to be a part of those groups yeah so thank you for all you do it's it's such a blessing to have someone like you who who is willing to help others out well, it's it's a selfish thing too. It makes it helps me learn as well. I learned as much from our listeners and my readers as as they might learn from me. And I love getting to talk to people like you, the two of you. I've listened to your podcast and you're doing a great job. You're doing really good things for young Canadians because I'm older than you. So my my voice may not appeal to younger people. So I'm really happy to see a younger generation out there getting financial literacy out there and, and inspiring people to do better. I, I think it's wonderful that you started your podcast and, and I hope it continues to grow. Thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, I just want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And you're just somebody who really knows your why. You're not somebody who's just... <laughs> 
<laughs> blindly following a movement or anything. You're somebody who, who has said, these are the things that I want to achieve in life. Phi allows me to do that. And you're just chasing after it so hard. And it's just so inspiring for Will and myself to just see you pursuing this, to see you giving yourself to it and to see you having so much fun and enjoyment along the way. And it just speaks to us. It tells us, oh yeah, like life can be fun now and down the road and we can just have an amazing time Mm -hmm. pursuing this. I think both Will and I are very goal-oriented people. And from my understanding, you are as well. So yeah, Phi just (laughs) really appeals to us so much. And yeah, it's so inspiring to see you just being able to enjoy life, being able to just to have such strong goals and to just see you pouring yourself into them. So thank you so much for sharing your story and for coming on to our podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. It's fun. I I could talk about five forever. So (laughs) thanks for giving me the opportunity. For sure. So for listeners out there, if you have any questions, like Christy said, uh, you can find her on her blog or listen to her podcast. And if you have any questions and you somehow can't reach her, you can always give us a shout at financialclassroom at gmail.com or you can find us on different social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram at the Financial Classroom. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. It's been a blast talking to Chrissy. And yeah, until next time, take care, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more episodes and financial tips, check out our Facebook page, The Financial Classroom. And if you like this podcast, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on our various podcast platforms. Later.